and welcome to Fort Wayne Ballet's Kinetic Conversations. Today's episode will continue our discussions on Fort Wayne Ballet's season opener opening night and the three pieces comprising the evening with an in-depth conversation. So with that, I'd like to introduce the guest for today, Robert LaFosse. Robert, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really enjoying my stay here working with the dancers. It's been a thrill. Well, we're thrilled to have you here at Fort Wayne Ballet. For the listeners, tell them a little bit about you, your background, your career, and maybe your association with uh, the piece that you're setting. Sure. I was born and raised in uh, Beaumont, Texas, and I have a brother who also studied dance. And I was in musical theater as well when I was a child. And I then moved to New York at the age of 17 Mm -hmm. and luckily continued my studies there. And I got into the American Ballet Theater where I performed this ballet, Fancy Free, with the uh, the choreographer, Jerome Robbins. Mm-hmm. It was, in fact, it was his very first ballet that he ever choreographed when he was 25. And then I continued to dance at American Ballet Theater under the direction of Mikhail Baryshnikov. And then I left the company in 1986 and was invited by Jerome Robbins to join the New York City Ballet, where he was the principal choreographer. So I had a, I have a long history with this choreographer and have danced many of his ballets. So now that I'm semi-retired, although I'm still performing in the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet, I'm now staging or teaching these ballets of Jerome Robbins to different countries throughout the world. And I have really enjoyed my two weeks here so far because the the dancers here really understand this ballet. Mm-hmm. It's these are real people. And, you know, I'm just really happy. I love what I'm doing because I get to pass on my my knowledge that I learned from Jerome Robbins. Well, we're excited to have you here and excited to see the ballet, but for those who may not be familiar with Fancy Free, just set for just a brief second what the ballet is, since it does have a story. Sometimes we don't with 20th century work, but a little bit about Fancy Free. Sure. Um, Jerome Robbins was a dancer as well in, in the 40s. He joined ballet theater in 1940, and then four years later, he wanted to choreograph. What he wanted to do was to choreograph something Americana, Before that, there had been, Agnes DeMille had done uh, Rodeo, which was about cowboys, and uh, Eugene Loring had choreographed Billy the Kid. And so Jerome Robbins had been inspired by the sailors who would come into New York who were on leave, and they would get off the ship. And there's actually a a painting of Paul Cadmus's that sort of depicted sailors with women. And he so he was fascinated by what their journey would be on a day and a night in New York. So he took that premises and he always observed that sailors always sort of traveled in threes. So the ballet has uh, three sailors. And it's really about their night on the town. And they meet one girl and then they meet another girl. So there's two girls, there's three guys. They get into a fight and then they lose the two girls. And then the very end, one other girl comes in and she passes them by. And they remind themselves that what happens when they go after, you know, these girls. It's very funny. Um, It takes dancers who have the ability to be classically trained, but also really good actors and also make things look very natural. It's, it's not a ballet that's gonna be like Swan Lake where right. you have the classical pantomime. His intention was to make these people look like real people. It's almost like a play mm-hmm. that is danced and it's very accessible. It was a humongous hit in 1944. 
it got something like 30 curtain calls and we still do this ballet. This ballet has been performed every year since 1944 somewhere. Why do you think in 1944 the reaction was what it was? What do you think about the ballet either was different or unique or special that maybe generated that kind of excitement? Well, there were several things. There was, there was Leonard Bernstein who composed the music and he was also 24. The music was very symphonic. It was full of complex rhythms and it felt very American. I think that's why it was resonated because before that, the stories they were telling were like Russian peasants and you know very Eurocentric stories like swans and willies and you know ballet stories, sure, sure. Sleeping Beauty, and so this was what was so different about it was that it was real people and they was really reflected the people in the audience were on the stage, and the war was new then and so it it had very special meaning. It was also you know, the beginning of those two gentlemen's careers, Leonard Bernstein went on to compose West Side Story and also Jerome Robbins choreographed West Side Story. So how did the two of them get together? How did they start working together? Bernstein had just started conducting for the Philharmonic, I believe. And he was trying to, you know, they were both trying to break into this new world of composing and choreographing. And what was interesting about how this ballet got made was that Jerry was on tour dancing throughout America, you know, he never really got a proper rehearsal period, like four weeks to, to make the ballet. He was literally making the ballet in different hotel rooms. Late at night after a performance, he would have his dancers. There's only six people in the ballet, so he was able to pull these people together. And in fact, there was, uh, Indiana has a, a funny connection to this because they were on tour in Bloomington, is uh-huh. it? Bloomington, yeah. Bloomington, and Janet Reed, and him were walking down the street in Bloomington and he was describing a moment in the ballet that he wanted, he visualized, and she said, okay, well, let's try it. And they were on the street in Bloomington and she ran into his arms and he caught her and that is in the ballet. Huh. So there's a there's a moment that was actually choreographed in Bloomington. So it was really kind of whenever he could get a minute or two and the music was being recorded on a little turntable, Bernstein was recording and sending it out and mailing it. Oh, wow. Uh, And he would get little sections of it, you know, like two minutes here and three minutes there. So what they were creating was, um, you know, they had no idea what was to come out of it. Now, what happened after those 30 curtain calls, huge success. It made Jerome Robbins an overnight star. It made Leonard Bernstein a star. Within nine months, Betty Comden and Adolph Green, the composers and the lyricists, they saw the ballet, they decided they wanted to make a musical out of it. So with Jerry and Lenny, they wrote On the Town, Mm -hmm. which within a year, this is unheard of. I mean, musicals usually take 10 years now to make. They took the story, wrote it really quick. It also was a big hit, On the Town. And then I don't know how many years later they took them to make the movie with uh, Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. I think Gene Kelly is in it. So this ballet was one of a kind because a musical was made from a ballet. Usually ballets are made from novels or different sources, but this is in the reverse. And uh, so it's really the only time I can think of that a ballet inspired, you know, a movie and a musical. And uh, it's, it's really historic and it kind of changed the course of not only these gentlemen's careers, obviously, but it also changed the course of ballet. I think Rodeo and Billy the Kid and Fancy Free were these 
turning points of America putting their stamp on ballet. Right. Because before that time, America really didn't know any, too much about classical ballet. Um, these ballets are not done in point shoes. They're done in, in high heels and just regular shoes. And the vernacular is very Broadway style uh -huh. in a way. Yeah. Um, so his real concern was how do I make these people look real? not like ballet dancers. And one of the things that, you know, this is a mid 20th century piece. We see this infusion, you know, in the 20th century, starting with the Ballet Russe, with the volumes of new works that are coming out and you're seeing new pieces and new things being tried. And then this 20th century you're talking about with this Americana stamp and new pieces and new ideas that are adding new elements. That's exciting, but it's probably also challenging and looking ahead towards you know, that period of time where all of that's being pumped out and you're able to see these new things and then dealing with today, it's great to bring those things back. But as you look at, you know, what the future brings for another fancy free type of moment in, in terms of dance and, and creation, where do you see the future related to what can be learned from what we just described and maybe where the field is going? God, I, that's a heavy duty uh, question, you know, uh, predicting the future. I think Really, collaboration is what we're talking here. We're talking about two gentlemen who had this hunger and desire to create something new. I think it was facilitating what America didn't have at sure, the time. Sure. So when we look at the history from 1940s to now, we have a, a wealth of great American choreographers. Aaron Copeland was composing before Bernstein, so he was inspired by... So it has to do with this lineage of being inspired by. What recently has happened is that Aaron Copeland's music has been reimagined for other ballets. So he had uh, three famous ballets, one Appalachian Springs, which is uh, Martha Graham's masterpiece, and uh, Billy the Kid, which was Eugenia Loring, and then Rodeo, which was Agnes DeMille, and Justin Peck, who reimagined the West Side Story for the film, has now taken those great classic scores and done new ballets to them. So I think the future is maybe part of looking back, but partially, you know, finding new composers and creating ballets for today. Now, I, I don't see so many story ballets happening today. Um, I think we're still in this phase of creating, I don't want to say abstract works, but pieces that are more just sheer dance. And do you think that's just the interest right now or this libretto hasn't struck somebody's fancy at this point? Yeah, it's just not what the artists are interested in. You know, I think what Jerry was interested in, because it was his background, you know, he was also very much an actor, performer, mm -hmm. character, dancer, and he was interested in what he could do. And he went on to create many musicals, West Side Story, Peter Pan, The King and I, Fiddler on the Roof. So he really did dive into real people. And it was him who also then created more pieces of dance that had no story to them. So he also turned and made a, a sort of a groundbreaking ballet called Dances at a Gathering, which was just a group of dancers dancing to Chopin music. There sure. was no story, but there was a, you know, real people on the stage dancing. I think a lot of choreographers today are inspired by his work and Balanchine's work and William Forsythe's work. You know, I don't know. I don't know where the new composers are coming from. I'm Juilliard. There's all sorts of different avenues of getting to... Well, and I think to your point, I mean, when I'm thinking through some of the other things that we talk about, whether it's even, 
you know, the creation of Tchaikovsky's ballets um, with a tight uh, involvement with the choreographer, the collaborative aspect. I'm sure that's challenging, but it's also, as you described with Bernstein and Robbins, there is a, you have two artists that are working together to seam this together as opposed to one artist who is taking pieces and trying to put it together. And I think that that probably does provide uh, challenge, but also a huge opportunity to begin to play off of each other in terms of, especially if you trust them each other. And they obviously worked somewhat well together. You go on to do West Side Story, the various other things. <laughs> I mean, so there must have been some type of connection. Do you know anything about where that relationship on a personal level went after that? I know professionally, obviously, there are some, some things there. They stayed very much friends and they worked a lot together. They understood each other without having to, you know, start from the beginning. Sure. So that when they created new pieces, they also, Jerry understood what he had and Leonard Bernstein was a, a musical genius. Right. Uh, Bernstein didn't really want to compose musicals. He, he only composed, I think, two, West Side Story and Candide in his lifetime. So he wasn't really interested in that. He was much more interested in classical conducting, which he became famous for. And Jerry also move away from musical theater where he made a lot of musicals, but he went to Broadway for a while and then he left it after Fiddler and then came back to the ballet and focused mainly on ballet. Yeah, I think that that relationship is really important and you will find different choreographers who will, who will connect with a certain composer and they will stay with them and because they can create original ideas. Storytelling is a different beast. It's something that, you know, takes a little bit of experience. And Jerry had that already because Jerry was doing these sort of shows on the weekend in um, Jewish communities where he would have to put something on really quick. And he was really, really good at it. He was really good at bits. So he comes from that. But I think today storytelling is becoming more, I, mean, I think the, the choreographers are becoming more interested in it because it's maybe more accessible to the audience. Yeah. Because I think dance kind of scares people. They think, oh, I don't know that much about ballet or dance, so I'm not so sure I would understand anything. And I, and I always say, you know, there's nothing really to understand. <laughs> you either like it or you don't. There's no, uh, you, don't, you don't have to go to college to understand ballet. Same with music. It's you either like it or you don't. Now, the more and more you get into it, you can become a nerd about, you know, <laughs> ballet or uh, classical music or opera or any of them. But yeah, it's trying to understand artists and what they do and how they get to the end result. It's all different. You know, they, each one is unique in their own way. And I think Jerry really was a great observer of people. So this ballet comes out of seeing three guys, three sailors on the street and going wild in his imagination. And he came up with a story. It's not based on a book. It's not based on a short story or anything. He just came up with it. He was very much admired by Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, who wrote the lyrics for West Side Story, and Arthur Lawrence, who wrote the book for West Side Story. They very much understood his genius. I mean, he was a thinker. He could solve problems. A lot of people don't know this, but he was brought in as a doctor for many, many Broadway shows. Hmm. If a show wasn't working, they brought him in and he could do like two little fixes and it would fix the whole show. Huh. 
Yeah, he was he was brilliant that way. Or just tell you, you know, you you need another number. That number's not working. <laughs> that one's not working. You need to yeah. start over again. <laughs> or just one number, or you switch this and do. Yeah, it was, it was very. There's a lot of stories like that which I I could tell you, but he was brilliant. I mean, you know, he had a gift, and uh, he was always trying to find the truth in everything. That was his main thing. How does something look real as opposed to fake? Because a lot of times ballet can look a little bit artificial. Right. Well, I think for a lot of people, to your point, they hear a what we term a repertory program or a, a 20th century program. And there is a little bit of, like you said, what's interesting about this program is we have Fancy Free, but we're also doing the DeMille Three Virgins and the Devil, which is also a story. And when I talk to Cameron about the Arpino work, while it's not technically a story, I'm sure she will paint a picture of how Arpino put this together for Italian suite. But to your point, storytelling is somewhat universal. People can feel comfortable with it. They understand that there are characters, there's a point, there's something they're familiar with. But I'm curious too, the differences and one of the maybe things you would say to somebody who's not come to a show like this, the opportunity and benefit of a repertory type of show where you've got three ballets that you're gonna see in the course of an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, as opposed to a Swan Lake where you've got three or four acts that you're gonna actually see and it's the same story. Where, where do you see the opportunity for somebody who's like, I'm interested in ballet, but why this show? I think mainly it's attention span, you know? So like we now watch um, 30 minute episodes on you know Netflix and it's gratifying. Um, a mixed bill program like this, um, what's nice about it is that you can express something in 30 minutes, an idea, as opposed to you know back in the 17th and 18th centuries where people, their only source of entertainment was the theater. They had no TV. So they would go to dinner and then they would go to the theater for three to four hours and sit there and enjoy music, opera, and dance. Now the world is turning much faster. We have TV. So I think these shorter programs happened at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century where these shorter moments happened so that you could have a variety. It's much more, you know, you could have three different choreographers on one bill. So it's become of interest to audience, but also we haven't lost the, the full evening ballets of, you know, one story covering two acts. I think the days of three acts are kind of, you know, of one story is kind of coming to an end. But um, yeah, I think people like variety and that's what we're giving them for this program. I mean, it's three different choreographers, three different composers. And, you know, one of the pieces, Italian Suite, is no story, but sometimes you don't need a story to be entertained for half an hour. You just need beautiful bodies dancing and men lifting women and just the athleticism and the musicality of of the ballet can be thrilling you know you don't always need a story well robert thank you uh thanks for spending a few minutes talking about fancy free with us we appreciate it thank you i hope you all come out and enjoy it Thanks for being with us today. Fort Wayne Ballet will perform opening night, which will be the opening for our 67th season, October 20th and 21st at the Arts United Center. You can purchase tickets by visiting the Fort Wayne Ballet website, artsticks.org, or calling the box office at 422-4226. Kinetic Conversations is brought to you by Fort Wayne Ballet and Wayne Shaw Productions. Our guest today was Robert LaFosse. If you'd like to receive notifications on future podcasts, please like the podcast and go to fortwayneballet.org to sign up for notifications on performances, podcasts, and more ballet news. You'll also find a library of past episodes on our website and the menu of options. Until next time, I'm Jim Sparrow, and thanks for listening to Kinetic Conversations with Fort Wayne Ballet.
This has been a Wayne Shout production. Wayne Shout.